This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast. Brian Robb and Michael Pina. Hi, I'm Rich Levine. We hope you're all staying safe and sane in these crazy times. In today's show, we're going to finally wrap up our all-time Celtics redrafts. This time, uh, drafting Celtics from, was it, 1979-1980 season earlier, guys. Is that what we decided on? Yeah. That's it. Okay. 30-plus years. 30-plus years of, and that was a strong 30-plus years of Celtics basketball right there. It was okay. Um, We're going to get into that, but first, we're going to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Give us a follow on Twitter. That is at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media, Bet Online, to everyone out there, uh, all the workers, uh, nurses, doctors, gas stations, grocery stores, pharmacies, everyone that's out there putting their lives at risk for, for our own good. We love you and appreciate you. Um, guys, by Ryan, Rob, and Michael Pina. Pina, how are you doing? You're a little hungry today? I've heard you haven't, you haven't had a chance to eat lunch. Hungry to draft. To- <laughs> yeah, I'm starving to do this draft right now. Um, Richo, it's nice of you to show up. Yeah. yeah, I know. I got I got my days right this time. The, the, it was just, it was fast paced texting last last week. You know, and who knows what day it is? Even Thursday, Friday, it's like it's fair. What day it's is fair. today? You have two seconds. What day is it? Tuesday. No, nope. October. October. <laughs> October. <laughs> um. So you guys are doing right. You're hanging in there. We're now in. Uh. I mean, how how long has it been since the NBA season was canceled? It's more than two months, right? Just about two Seven months. Seven years. So but, uh, not two months yet. I think, what is it, March 12th, was it? So this is May 7th. So we're approaching two months quickly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very scary how routine it is to, like, not have anything going on now, which is <laughs> um, hopefully doesn't last for too much longer. But I think we at least have probably another two months for NBA at the minimum. I was going to say, Pina, are you are, are you getting your hopes up? I'm not letting myself get there yet. I know that they're starting to open up these facilities mm-hmm. and starting to make plans, talk of Disney World and or whatever it is. But like, I'm not optimistic. I I would not say I'm optimistic. I at the same time, I don't know. I, I honestly haven't even like cemented an opinion on this. Like, all the reports are optimistic that the NBA will come back, but like. There's just not testing anymore. Like, there's no plan from government officials. So I just, it's really difficult to read anything about the NBA as separate from what's happening elsewhere in society. And yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, no, I guess, long answer short, I am not super optimistic right now. It's too bad that the NBA is such a, I mean, relatively young league. It would be nice if we could go back to the 1800s with these drafts. Like we could do if like we're, if this was like a Red Sox podcast. I'll have to find some other stuff to talk about. Missed opportunity. B Rob, have you heard anything uh, you know regarding maybe the Celtics facility and anything they have planned? Or uh, last I checked on that is you know they still there was I think it's were closed officially for non-essential places in Massachusetts for at least another week. I want to say May fifteenth or May eighteenth officially. Um, and I imagine nothing's going to happen before then, even with as some other you know teams around the league begin to open up in states that are authorizing it. But I would think that at this point, um, hopefully Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward and company have gotten a hoop. The weather actually is turning a little bit 
outside here um, so you can actually get some shots up and not be freezing your butt off so have you been, checking, it, have you been checking the the long-term weather report though unfortunately i yeah uh, yeah it's probably gonna get cold this weekend but like a nor'easter is like, coming or something right but 60s is tropical so i think that's will you know it'll just make them you know ready for an empty arena and how you know cold that will be whenever the whenever the games do continue um with all the with no with eighteen thousand bodies not in attendance that will be weird. You gotta wonder. I mean, are are there are they talking about reporters being a part of this bubble? I imagine, right? You know, like I imagine in some form, but at the same time, I could totally see them going to Zoom press conferences post game, and it's like, Brutal. okay, we're not, you know, we're not gonna open things up to everyone. We're gonna limit as many people in here as possible. I'm as many people in the bubble we want to limit in there. I imagine the media is not gonna be high in that priority line for being inside that bubble. So um, I could see the case either way, but it would not surprise me at all if it's uh, all remote for this season anyway. Nice. We'll see. Um, speaking of this season, should we get into uh, a couple seasons from like 60 years ago? <laughs> yes, please. This is our, what number? This is our fifth draft? Fourth? Fifth final. Wait. No, we did 2010s too. 2010s, 2000. Yep, you're right. This is number five. The fifth and final all-time Celtics draft. This is exciting. Um, so do you want to do, should I, should I do the, the, the picks to see uh, where we're going to yes. choose from? Yes, please. Okay. So I have them right here. Let me just put on the, the NBA music as always. Pick three, B-Rob. Pick two, Rich. Hell yeah. Number one overall pick goes to Mr. Michael Pina. Uh, congratulations, Mike. Thank you. Um, this is this is. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but <laughs> this is. I guess you can make your pick. Yeah, this is the easiest uh, of. I, I mean, this is the easiest number one pick that any of us have had. Um, I am going with uh, Bill Russell. Surprise, surprise. Um, one of the best players of all time. Eleven-time uh, champion. Won eight titles in a row. Uh, I actually just read his uh, second book, Second Wind. It's a memoir. Um, incredible. He doesn't really talk about basketball in it that much. <laughs> so uh, I was not expecting that, but um, it, great book. I recommend it to all of our listeners. Uh, yeah, this is really easy. Uh, I'm going with like trying to pick the which season is really annoying just because he had so many great ones um i think i'm gonna go with 1964 um he averaged 27 rebounds per game in the playoffs (laughs) that year uh 29 years old uh yeah um i don't even know what like what else i need to really say about it i'm just like looking at his numbers on basketball reference and they're just absolutely comical like he grabbed 49 <laughs> rebounds in a game in 1965 like what are what is even oh. happening it's ridiculous andre Drummond's never done that <laughs> no and i talked to andre Drummond a couple weeks back and he said he was the best rebounder who ever lived um that's great wait Drummond said that bill russell was no he said that andre Drummond he, he was. said that about himself uh <laughs> Yeah, Bill Russell averaged for his career, for his career, 
22 and a half rebounds per game. So it's funny the best rebounder that ever lived doesn't want to hit the free agent market <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> but I would like to we'll see Drummond get a chance in the in the in the 50s and 60s. Oh, he would have been oh. a beast. Yeah. Sure. The one thing I I had actually if if I had gotten the number one pick, I think I might have gone with the 61, 62 Russell. Okay. The thing that jumped up to me the most, and this is this is because there were a few overtimes, but in the uh, in the sixty two playoffs, he averaged forty eight minutes a game. <laughs> wow, unbelievable is that? Um, and I also saw Bill Bradley once called Russell the uh, he said the smartest player to ever play the game. Bill Bradley is a pretty smart guy, so I yeah. think that you know, despite the not despite, but on top of all the physical gifts that bill russell had just just his 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 knowledge and his mind for the game i mean and it sucks i wish we could go into it a little bit deeper and have seen him play and understand it a little bit more but clearly he was one of a kind he deserves his own episode hmm maybe we can get him on yeah maybe ask dave Cowens to uh to hook <laughs> us up with <laughs> who's next uh i am up and i think i mean i guess i got this is a kind of pretty easy choice as well i think my, and so this is anyone anyone that played before 1980 on the Boston Celtics. My second pick has to be uh, Mr. John Havlicek. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got the all-time stats, right? He's the all-time Celtics leader in points scored, games, minutes played. He was just a horse, right? He played a bunch of years. They very rarely missed missed time. This season, it's he had like a couple different uh, careers with the Celtics because he first came on as a young guy on that team that was already pretty fantastic right mm-hmm. he played with russell he played with heinson uh pretty sure he played with koozie um and he sort of he wasn't the first six man that's another guy that might get drafted a little bit later but he sort of revolutionized the the six man role and then after all those guys were done you know it's sort of what would have been his kind of reggie lewis time you know t- being the, the the next leader of the boston celtics uh that's where he really became a star so i'm, I'm going with 70 71 Havlicek which is interesting because the Celtics were not that great that year. It was sort of in their brief rebuilding stage. But averaged 28 points a game, which is second in the NBA. Also averaged 7.5 assists, which was fourth in the NBA. Also nine rebounds. He was uh, second-team all-defense, first-team all-NBA. Uh, John Helvacek, he's the number my number two overall pick. Real quick, in, um, Can't argue there. in uh, Russell's book, he says that of any player he's ever seen if he were starting a team from scratch and he had to pick one teammate, uh, it would be John Havlicek. So, quite a compliment. Wow. I wonder if Russell had gotten the first overall pick in this draft. Would he have taken Hondo over himself? Uh, I think the he was t- he would not have done that. Um, I think he meant for as as himself. What who would he would rather team up with? He would pick Havlicek over anybody that he'd ever seen play. So, damn. Quite a compliment. Another compliment. Right. John Havlicek, 8-0 all-time in the NBA Finals. Decent. Oof. Um, yeah, the, we're going to have some pretty impressive resumes here in the postseason in this draft. and that's. Uh, but that might top all of them except for uh, Mr. Russell here. All right. Uh, I will go. Two picks. Two picks. Not upset about the 3-4 slot here. Uh, <laughs> tough to miss out on. Hondo and Russell put uh, some nice leftovers here. So here's the thing, guys. The heading into this draft, my big board, I wasn't aware that I could put Larry Bird on my big board. 
because of the 7980. I didn't know if we're going to 80 or the 79 mm-hmm. season was going to be the cutoff. And so made that announcement clarification, you know, probably 20 minutes ago. And I don't care. Like at first I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll slide him in the top five somewhere. No, I think I'm going to go number three here with Larry Bird because <laughs> it's, it's easy to forget even rookie Larry Bird was an all-star averaging 21, 10 and, and five in the 79, 80 season, um, shooting 40% from three um, for a Celtics team that only got into the the second round of the playoffs there, but clearly they'd get some major reinforcements after that. So um, I like the potential here with this this Larry guy in his rookie season. I think there are big things coming after that first year. So um, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to follow it up with uh, just a perfect front court with uh, Dave Cowens as my number four pick friend of the pod wow friend of the podcast still still waiting to get comment from him about that hopefully mike can catch days of him about being selected fourth <laughs> in this draft but cowens uh two nba titles one mvp seven time all-star uh rookie of the year um three-time all nba just i think is it safe to say he was the true the first true like you know, stretch five to a degree. Like I know he wasn't taking a lot of threes there, but he, he just had the capability of stretching teams out and, you know, creating, you know, inside and outside the lane. And then obviously it was just a, a beast on the glass could distribute the ball um, better than almost any big in his era. And um, just was a legend for this team, you know, throughout the seventies. A piece about Cowens that I came across. I want to talk about rookie Larry Bird for a second too, once we're done. Sure. But uh, Dave Cowens, you talk about that versatility. Um, one of five players ever in a single season to lead his team in five major categories. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Wow. Uh, the other guys are Scotty Pippen, Kevin Garnett, LeBron Wilt? James, and, and Giannis. Wilt never did it? Wow. Yeah. No, maybe uh, you know I don't know if they even keep track of yeah, blocks. Yeah, think, that's fair. Or steals a lot yeah. when he was there, but yeah, so that's that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and you mentioned is what year are you going to take him from, B Rob? I guess I got to take the MVP year, even though there's like stats. There are seasons where he arguably, I mean, actually no, that's twenty sixteen four was the MVP seventy two seventy three season with with Cowens, but he got pretty close to that in a couple other seasons. Uh, 75 76 he was 20 14 and 4 um so really just a lot of you know pretty elite seasons to choose from in those mid 70s what was amazing from that mvp season that he wasn't a first team all nba player and at the same time his teammate john havlicek was first team all nba and first team all defense on top of that yet dave cowens wins the mvp it's pretty interesting that's that's unbelievable i didn't realize that so because I'm looking at his all league here, and I guess he was never, he was never on the all NBA first team. It was huh. always the second team. Well, is that because who was first, Kareem? I assume Kareem. Kareem was second in the MVP voting and was the first team. And but there also team. was there was another big guy that I looked at. There was another big guy that seemed to be on the on the first team that year. That I, I wasn't sure if they did it by position. I'm sure they did. But um, yeah, Bill Russell is the only other guy to win an MVP and not be. Oh uh, well, so Wilt was actually. Yeah, it was Kareem. Yeah, Wilt was all first team defensive, but yeah, it was Kareem, 
the first the All NBA team for Cowan's MVP. The first team was Kareem, Tiny, Halvacek, Haywood, and Jerry West. Hmm. Second team: Rick Barry, Cowan's, Walt Frazier, Alvin Hayes, Pete Maravich. Legend. And my about Larry's rookie seasons. Few things that jumped out to me about that. Um, so you you mentioned B Rob. He shot forty percent from three his rookie year, right? Mm-hmm. Took taking one point seven a game, and then he just kind of stopped. The next the next four seasons, Larry's you know second, third, fourth, and fifth seasons. First of all, he shot in the twenty percentile in all four of those seasons, but uh, he he didn't even shoot one a game, which I thought was kind of interesting. Right. Um, and also the four. Uh, also, it was only an eighty three percent foul shooter that rookie year. It went steadily up. You know, for the rest of his career, he was in the ninety. You know, ninety three by the time 1990 rolled around. So he, he, he figured it out. But it's kind of surprised to see Larry Bird uh, like down in the lower 80s for uh, a free throw percentage. I guess he had to work on his free throws, and that's why they, they wouldn't let him take more threes until he got those the free throw <laughs> up to close to 90%. I, I could see Red Auerbach having that having <laughs> that rule. Uh, so you got Larry and, and Dave Cowens. And Dave Cowens. Pretty happy with my front court. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, my pick, I'm gonna go with Sam Jones. Uh, one of the three, one of the three Celtics to to win all eight of those titles when they when I when I pulled off eight in a row. I thought it was interesting. Red Auerbach drafted him without ever seeing him play, which is a sign of the <laughs> times. <laughs> like he went to uh, not North. He went where you? some one school in North. Carolina. It's, a, it's a school, a college in Durham that is not Duke. It's uh, not North Carolina and A and T, but. Uh, I'm bringing it up right here. It is the old North, North Carolina, Carolina Central. Central. Yeah, yes. there it is. Um, but yeah, in uh, in 1964, 65, uh, he averaged 26 points a game, uh, five assists a game. He was just a big time shooter. He was, you know, the, obviously the the the, uh, the bank shot was his specialty. Clutch. So I've heard my dad used to tell me that a bunch of yeah. growing up. Uh, yeah, he was a clutch shooter. Uh. He was just a winner, and he was. Uh, he, it's funny. He's he's like one of the, probably maybe the most forgotten star of this of this era. And I want to make sure that he gets his due. So I'm going to make him the uh, one, two, three, four, fifth pick overall in uh, in this all time NBA draft. I'm I'm a little upset. That was I was very excited to take Sam Jones. Um, ah. uh, really interesting when we just look at back at statistics to try to tell the whole story we we can't do that as impressive as they were and how successful as he was like uh i i keep like bringing up anecdotes from russell's book but it just has so many fascinating ones and one thing that is pretty well known i think was just like russell writes about how uh sam jones like didn't want to be a star and so his numbers and like his scoring average could have been so much higher if he accepted that responsibility night in night out but he like flat out told bill russell just like that i don't want to do that i don't want that responsibility so um pretty interesting i mean he was always there with games on the line and he was had you know ice water in his veins but just in terms of carrying a team's offense and that sort of thing like he just didn't want any part of it and he was he knew himself and he was honest about it so that i always thought that that was really fascinating wonder how a guy like that would like how that would play and today today you know what i mean like like Stephen a smith would just be on tv <laughs> yeah. 
calling him a loser for not wanting to be the man. It, it just eight no in the finals or whatever it was. Not eight no, but he won eight titles. Like hilarious. Um, Another thing I found about a lot of these guys, mm-hmm. real quick, before you give your next pick, is that like, you know, Sam Jones was was the eighth pick overall in the draft. Um, you know, Havlicek was I think he was nine. Hold on, Brady. I I should have this all here. Um, but he was he was like around Paul Pierce territory. So all these guys that he was a seventh overall pick, Havlicek. All these guys that turned out to be such absolute stars were not top five picks. It's almost like a, a Golden State Warriors way of, of building the building the team. Granted, Russell was you know they traded and he was one of the top picks. Yeah. But um. But yeah, they got a lot of these guys later in the in the first round. My pick. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm kind of shocked that Bob Cousy hasn't been taken yet. Uh, so I'm going with him. And I mean, the the you want to talk about like a resume? It's like 13 time All Star, eight time Assist Champion, 12 time All NBA. He was the 1957 NBA MVP, six titles, two All Star Game MVPs. Um, I mean, he was basically, I guess, one of basketball's first stars. Um, and ridiculous and like, you know, going back, it's like we kind of denigrate a lot of the highlights of him and, um, going through, it's just like, you can't compare eras. It's impossible. So like, yeah, Kyrie Irving is probably better in his prime than Bob Cousy was and he would be like roast him one-on-one, but that's not really what we're arguing here. Um, so yeah, I don't really like breaking it down by season. I guess I'm I'm just gonna pick the year that he won the um, the MVP. That would make the most sense. I think that was before Russell showed up. Um, I believe, and yeah, uh, pretty easy pick. Can you guys like? Did, did, what was the deal? Like, why didn't you guys take Bob Cousy? It's just kind of boring. <laughs> to be honest, to, uh, you know, but like, but like, some of it's like the like the same way you you said. Like, you watch some of the videos, and, yeah. and again, like, I know, I, I there's the the reason Kyrie Irving ex- exists is because guys like Bob Cousy existed. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to shit at him on that level, right? We understand it was a different world. You know, they they didn't. He, who did Bob Cousy grow up watching? Like in terms of basketball, nobody, yeah. right? There was no one to watch. He was figuring all this out for themselves for himself and they were just laying the groundwork but it's just you know it's it's just tough sometimes to watch a guy that can't really dribble with his left hand <laughs> you know and not that he couldn't but he just didn't like it, it's just a different game and I, and I was watching some of the highlights from the uh from the 56 57 uh NBA finals which I think was the the Celtics first championship mm-hmm. um and it was a crazy series it went seven games I think game seven went to double overtime um but yeah, and it was just like a lot of like just set shots and 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 hook shots where like, it's like almost like set hook shots where Kuzi didn't jump. So for me, it just just aesthetically, it, it, I was a little bit. And, and he was like Houdini of the hardwood, right? He was the he was the most aesthetically pleasing player of that era. Then you look back now, and it's just kind of kind of blah. So that's what what it was for me. It's like they were critic people players were criti- criticized if they left their feet playing the game. Like how weird is that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh man, that's really funny. Just bring that back. Yeah, I didn't realize he made a comeback at age forty-one for seven games with the Cincinnati Royals. Uh, Royals, yes. I believe he might have been uh, coaching 
the Royals. Was that the, the deal? At, at the same time. I think he might have been the player coach. That would make sense. The Celtics did trade him to the Royals before that season, but that might have been part of the deal. Yeah, he was the he was the coach. Okay. So that, that makes bring sense. Bring back so the this player could be wrong. coach. Right? What's that? I said bring back the player coach. Let's go. Who would be the who would be the player coach? Uh LeBron. I mean LeBron would probably <laughs> want to do it. Yeah. That, I would I would welcome that. Let him Hilarious. take that on. Well, let's think of like someone who in like the big three league right now would be like the best player coach. Someone who can still play a little bit, but is Rashid you know, done. Jason Kidd. It might be Kidd or like Billups. Um. Yeah, it's well. Let's think on that. But there are Chris Paul actually. Tim Duncan. Yeah, right. He's Tim Duncan. He's literally, actually, yeah, like coaching. Yeah. He literally just came out right. So he's that's an easy slide over. I'm going to say not Paul Pierce. Probably, probably (laughs) not, no. (laughs) Not after that horse uh, performance, but... um, All right, so, Mike, you got another pick here, or did you do... I do. Um, Russell and Kuzi so far, it's a pretty good squad. Yeah, pretty good. It's decent. Um, I guess we could go in some different directions here. Um, I'm just going to go with Tommy Heinsohn. Um... (laughs) It's a good direction. Yeah, I feel like you can't go wrong. Um, Tommy Gunn, uh, Hall of Famer, eight-time champ, rookie of the year in 1957, six-time All-Star. He was someone who, yeah, he could knock down the outside shot, which we need a little bit of. The the field goal percentage of my team is not particularly high. Um, So we've got an offensive-minded player here, and uh, (laughs) that's the... uh, the extent of my scouting report for Tommy Henson, the legend. So, you know how they do the similar, similar uh, player similarities on Basketball Reference. Yeah. Yep. Who who do you think is the most similar player to Tommy Henson? Okay. To I the, just I, I'm on the page and I just saw and that is very 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 funny. I <laughs> what a metric. Any guesses? Any guesses? Pirov. No. He's a he's a current player and he's played in the last. Ten years. No, he's, he's active for, now. I guess technically. Uh, for for Heinsohn, yeah. he's gonna be a Hall of Famer, like Horford or something. No. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo. <laughs> but what's wow. wild is that, like, so so ni- is that a percentile? The ninety-one point four. Pina, is that how they do that? I think so. Um, I think it's just the. I don't. Yeah, actually, I'm not gonna like talk out of my ass and pretend I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> well, it's just funny that like Carmelo is is first. That is a 91.4, and then Dale Davis is second at very close 90.9. I guess like he, he was a really good rebounder and he and he was a gunner. So I guess the Carmelo Anthony and Dale Davis. That's 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 Tommy Heinsohn yeah. right there. That's what you're getting with your with your third pick. Can't beat it. As I told you on Twitter. I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss in this Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura Harmon, 
and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you'll need to weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Okay, so uh, with my next pick, I will take uh, JoJo White. I'm going hard on. Uh, oh, I guess Sam Jones is 60s, 70 Celtics. Yeah, but JoJo White, I guess he's sort of a sort of a wing. Won two titles with the Celtics. Uh, you know, it, it was a modest 19 points, five and a half, five and a half mm-hmm. assists, four rebounds a game. He was the NBA Finals MVP uh, in that the I think 76 when they when they beat Phoenix in that crazy series. Um, played 60 minutes in that triple overtime win over the over the Suns, which is pretty amazing. Uh, another thing I like, and this is what really I'm, I'm hanging my hat on with this squad. I got Hondo, who uh, you know, who is the, the all-time leader for the Celtics in, in games played and in minutes and all that. Um, but JoJo White is is the franchise record holder with 488 consecutive games played. I'm pretty sure that's still an active uh, an active streak, or not an active streak, an active record. Um, so yeah. Jojo White, just a just sort of a another wing. We're kind of playing some modern hoops right here with Hondo, Sam Jones, and uh, and Jojo White. Uh, and that's my pick. All right, uh, I will take two here, and I'm feeling pretty good in the front court with mm-hmm. Bird and Cowan. So I'm going to turn my attention to the backcourt here. Uh, we'll start with Bill Sharman. Uh, at pick number nine overall, we are looking at an eight-time All-Star here, gentlemen. <laughs> um, pretty good to get at the end of the third round. Uh, four NBA titles, uh, four-time All-NBA first team, and just, again, one of the, the best shooters of his era and really a lot more efficient than the rest of the league was at this point. He coached so, the um, Lakers, didn't he? You know, it, I believe he did. I have to look that up, but... Yeah, no, uh, I was going to tell you guys. He, so you said four-time NBA champion. He's actually a 10-time NBA champion. He I was... Know what I'm reading, that, this, that makes a lot more sense. We have a four... played it Russell and... Yeah, four is a player. But, oh, uh, got it. But it, it was kind of cool. He was, he, became, he was the first person in, in basketball history. And I think it might have been professional sports history, yeah, to win a championship as a player, a coach, and an executive. Wow. Yeah. He had he won one title as the head coach of the Lakers and then five as a as an executive. So who are, do we know who else has done that? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Like maybe Riley did Riley win a title? Yeah, I played for the Lakers. Was he on the seventy two Lakers? I don't know. I'll I can look up. that up. Ainge's done two of the three. Yeah, Ainge's done two. He had not didn't last on the bench long enough. Sharman sure is also happen in Phoenix. Oh, look up the Pat Riley. Sharman's also one of uh, only four guys to be inducted into the Hall of Fame as both a player and a coach. Oh. The others are uh, John Wooden, who I didn't realize he was in as a player, uh, Lenny Wilkins, and Tommy Heinsohn. Fascinating. Boom. And someone made the um, argument. I think it's Mike Gar- Mike Gorman who made the argument that Tommy Heinsohn actually deserves to make it a third one. A three-time NBA Hall of Famer as a broadcaster 100%. as well, which I think, which I can get behind. 
Um, um, all right. All right. I'm going, I get another pick here, and I'm going to stay in the backcourt and go with uh, Nate Tiny Archibald uh, from the 79-80 season with the Celtics. He obviously spent a good, you know, a chunk heading into the 80s, won a title in, uh, in 81, but uh, was pretty, you know, was a three-time All-Star uh, starting in 79-80 with the Celtics, averaged 14 points, eight assists per game um, next to Bird and Max on those teams. And, yeah, he obviously kind of wore down as the the 80s got going. But a lot of these players at 30, age 30, 31, were putting together the best seasons of their career, you know, at, at this point. And Archibald is among them. And um, I like him running the, the ship for with all these uh, shooters around him. I like that pick. Tiny Archibald, that's his third. Is that his third draft with the sell, third time being selected or only second time? I believe it's second. I don't think he made it into the... I took him in the last draft, I think. Yeah. All righty. Now it's to me, and I'm going to... No one's taken Frank Ramsey yet, have they? The great no. Frank Ramsey? No. The NBA's first sixth man. We talked about John Havlicek, who I also mm-hmm. have on my team. But uh, Frank Ramsey, I believe, was the first sixth man Uh you know, it was Ray Auerbach's idea to 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 create a six man in general. Ramsey was uh, clearly one of the five best players that the Celtics had. I'm picking 1957, 1958. Frank Ramsey was clearly one of the uh, the five best players, but he didn't really care about starting. So uh, Ray Auerbach decided to to run him out there with the second unit, and it worked pretty well, as it turns out. Um, he uh, yeah, and that at 57, 58 season. He averaged 16 and a half points, 7.3 rebounds, was first team all NBA. And I think he'll fit in nicely with the rest of my guys. So that's what I got. Respectable pick. Um, Frank Ram. My, I'm up here. Two picks. You are. You're up. So Two picks. I got to plead ignorant here. Um, I'm taking Bailey Howell. Ooh, I and like <laughs> I like, got to be honest, I. I I don't know too much about Bailey Howell, and I'm I'm going to admit that. Uh, he did not play his whole career with the Celtics, which kind of might have factored into that for me, and just him not being around for... I mean, he was, I think, only on two Celtics teams that won the title, um, including, I guess, that would have been the last two of, of the Russell era. Uh, so... When Russell was coaching, yeah, himself, exactly, sixty-eight and sixty-nine. Um, so you know he was a multiple-time All-Star in his career. Played for a couple other teams, Detroit, um, ended in Philly. I, I like. Do you guys? Am I, I, he's in the Hall of Fame. Like when I say Bailey Howell, like do does anything like come to you guys' mind? Very little. Yeah, I remember. I fell down a little Bailey Howell rabbit hole while I was researching yeah. this. Ended up at like the website of his 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 church in Mississippi, <laughs> where he's given a nice glowing testimonial about how it's helped his life. Um, but uh, yeah, I've always known him as sort of I don't want to say odd man out, but just like kind of random dude who kind of who popped up like towards the end because, like yeah. you said, like unless like the players didn't change teams very much back then. So the fact that like someone came in, like it was a very like modern kind of, you know, 
acquisition by Red Auerbach, like bringing in someone to to help just like get you over the hump or help extend a dynasty, I guess. And it, and it worked out pretty well. You know, he guy won guy won two titles. His numbers were very solid. He seems like a like a double double machine for the most part. Um, I think, like you said, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I, that seems like a solid pick. I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> he's still alive too. That would find that interesting. I, was that? Did you get bummed out at all, you guys, while you were doing this bit. research? You know, like I, yeah. I, like I'd be reading about these guys, whether it's just on Wikipedia or somewhere, and be like, "Oh, what an interesting life! I'd love to talk to this guy." And then, you know, in some cases they've been dead for almost ten yeah. years. Um, but Bailey Howell is not one of those guys. Eighty-three years old, I believe he lives in in Mississippi. He went to Mississippi State, so I think he just went back there when he was when he was done playing hoops. And it was, another interesting thing is he didn't make the Hall of Fame until 1997. So the Hall of wow. Fame, so he must have been a, overlooked him a veterans just committee. as I did. Makes me feel a little, <laughs> little better. But just as they made it up to him by eventually inducting him, you made it up to him by taking him <laughs> over uh, a few more well-known players in this draft. Um, so I have one more pick right now. Correct. Yeah, uh, I'm going with uh, Ed McCauley. Um, he Easy, was yeah. entirely overshadowed by Bill Russell. Uh, I guess like he was kind of the center of the those koozie teams before Russell got there, and then um, was traded, I believe, for the pick that became Russell. Don't quote me on that. He was the he was the pride he, he was the pride of St. Louis. So he played for St. Louis before he came to the Celtics, and uh, and as sort of Red was getting his 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 eyes, you know, locked on Bill Russell as the guy that he needed to to acquire. Um, I, at the same time, I guess Macaulay had been saying that he wanted to go back to St. Louis, and St. Louis was saying they wanted Macaulay back because he was like the their native son. He was like a hero there. So that was yeah. instrumental. Him being was instrumental in obviously in getting Russell. But uh, yeah, he was he was the guy who was traded for Bill. Yeah, this is it's just like 1949 drafted by the St. Louis Bombers in the first round of the BAA draft, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, he's traded he's traded world. to the uh, the St. Louis Hawks with Cliff Hagen to get Russell. So probably the biggest trade in the history of the NBA. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just taking I'm you know I'm gonna they're gonna be teammates, which is really exciting for this uh, hypothetical exercise. Um, six eight big man, can't say I've ever seen him play. Um, and uh, yeah, going back to like guys who are no longer with us, he passed away in 2011. Um, yeah, multiple time All Star, seven time All Star in the Hall of Fame, won the title in '58. Um, Ed McCauley. <laughs> One other interesting fact is that 32 years old was the youngest ever uh, male player to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. 32 years old when he got when he was. Inducted. Why was that? Do you know? Um, I think he. When did just they put in the five year early? It's another good question. <laughs> I would think like maybe like eighties or something like that. Yeah, but that's we're just giving guess. the people what no they idea. want right now with all these wonder, this wonderful information. Yeah, right. It's... Yeah, so he retired. <laughs> at, he retired at thirty. So maybe it was a two. I don't know. Maybe it was like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Where it's just no fucking rules. It's just... <laughs> so those are my two. Uh, Rich, you're up. 
Back to me. Okay. So you took, uh, yeah. was that last one you took? Easy Ed McCauley? All right. You have one pick left coming back down. Um, is anyone going to take uh, Pete Maravich? Is, that on, is he on anyone's list? No. No, I'm not going to either. He was, hey. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, another uh, historic figure that, that deserves some attention. Uh, Mr. Charlie Scott. Uh, the the seventy five seventy six version of Charlie Scott, where the Celtics won a title, obviously played all eighty two games, uh, averaged eighteen points, four rebounds, four assists a game, uh, and then fifteen four and four during the the the, uh, the title run. Uh, Charlie Scott was was from from New York, I think Harlem, maybe. He's like, I think he was a Rucker Park legend. Also, was the first black scholarship athlete at North Car- University of North Carolina. Uh, first black man to join a fraternity at North Damn. Carolina. Um, played in the NBA in, in the ABA for a little bit, uh, and with Phoenix, and then he ended up with the Celtics. I think around, I think it was like seventy four. I mean, I probably get the I have that wrong, but anyways, he was he was a solid player, wing player. Um, doesn't really get a lot of attention, and that's why I want to uh, I want to put him on my squad. Made no all star uh, all star team like the Celtics. Didn't did he, he did, make some? Yes, did he make him with the with the Suns? I one thing I, I found in the, in this research is there used to ha- you used to have to sit out in between if you were going from the ABA to the NBA they would make you uh, it's like transfer sit out a season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They basically had transfer. I mean, there must have been all sort of you know legal issues with pl- NBA stealing players, but uh, that's what it was. But yeah, so Scott Scott was a three time All Star with Phoenix. Uh, before he was traded to the Celtics, I think for Paul Silas. But, anyways, that's my pick. Okay, do some, uh, do some reading on Charlie Scott, everybody. Charlie Scott, he he deserves it. All right, I'm going to uh, go into the the 70s here, and I I like there's there's a lot of uh, future coaches on oh, my roster, bastard. and I want to continue that trend here. Uh, to, 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 to finish things up here. So uh, my first pick is going to be Paul Silas. Good choice. On the wing. I'm going to go with the 74, 75 version of Silas who um, made the all-star team, was all uh, NBA first team for defense. Uh, didn't, again, wasn't putting up monster stats or anything like that during this era, but... Uh, was clearly providing a lot of toughness while averaging a double double a game um, in the seventies, and to really lighten things up in the locker room to, to finish things out, <laughs> we're gonna go with Don. Nelson. I knew you were gonna take them as soon as you started talking <laughs> about the coaches. Yeah, I wanted him so bad. <laughs> Just really like the IQ in the locker room here, but Nelson again, a, a hell of a Celtic. Um, one, I believe. Five titles with the Celtics? Yes, five titles with the Celtics uh, throughout the late 60s into the 70s. Um, I want to say his best year here was probably, we'll go of 69-70 when he was uh, averaging a career-high 15.4 points per game and seven rebounds per game, but just a really efficient wing throughout his entire career. Shot nearly 50% from the field. Um during this era, which wasn't very common for guys his size and very durable as well. Led the league in games played, I believe, in uh, five straight years during that era. So 
Uh, that's the team here. We got Archibald and Sharman in the backcourt, uh, Paul Silas, Larry Bird, and Dave Cowens running up the starting five, and uh, Don Nelson uh, lighting things off from the bench. It's funny, you know how you, and this is a good Cowens Nelson uh, segue. Um, oh, speaking of segues, <laughs> let me get this in, guys. Um, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive bar- partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has daily live Madden NFL 20 simula- simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus, Bet Online, your online wagering solutions. I was going to say, I mentioned uh, last episode or two episodes, I guess I missed that one, uh, that Dave Cowens was traded to Milwaukee. Yep. Yep, by the Celtics. You guys remember that conversation? Uh, a few years after he retired, and we wondered like how the hell that happened. Um, and the answer was that Don Nelson was the coach with the Bucks. Dave Cowens is a uh, old teammate, so that sort of hmm. made it a desirable situation. And he basically Cowens had left, I think, in '80. Um, and by the time he decided he wanted to play again, Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish had arrived. So he kind of said to Red, "Okay, I realize you don't really need me anymore." Uh, so just let me go play with, with Don Nelson. And that's what happened. Uh, nice for real quick, like yeah. Don Nelson hit one of the biggest shots in Celtics history. I thought you were going to go with the 68-69 Nelson just so you could take credit for that. Yeah, game seven, a couple true minutes for that left. Shot, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, was a, that was one of those shots, too. That yeah, was like in game seven. Of, yeah, shot yeah, yeah. Against the Cavs, like bounce. Bounced right, up and in. That, got the, the lucky the leprechaun the bounce ultimate. right there. Um, whose uh-huh. turn is it right now? Is it? It's so this it is, is me, Rich, and then Mike. You close things out. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of players turn coaches, I'm going to uh, get one of. So I already have. So three. There were three guys that won all eight of those eight consecutive titles with the Celtics. One was Bill Russell. One was Sam Jones. And if I'm going to have one Jones, KC? I might as well have the other one. Uh, and we have Kate, Casey KC. Jones. I need some help in the backcourt. So Casey Jones, and obviously the numbers were not fantastic. Um, he, I think his best season, the one I'm going to choose, was 63-64 season where he averaged uh, eight points, five rebounds, and five assists a game. He was no, he was just a guy who, he, you know, there had there was only so much ball to go around when he had a team like that, certainly when he had Tommy Heinsohn jacking <laughs> up his Carmelo Anthony uh, volume. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think Casey was a, was a solid dude. I mean, he he, he played with with Russell yeah, in college like as well friends. at San Francisco. Um, yeah, I so I also want to keep him away from you. For, I think it would help your team a little bit more to have. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. Casey. By the way, Casey Jones is still alive, eighty seven years old, which is uh, which, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, sixty four, sixty five is what I chose. Average thirty minutes a game. Like I said, eight. Oh, uh, yeah. Eight, five and a half, and four were the numbers. Uh, and I need so my my team is is uh, John Havlicek, Sam Jones, JoJo White, Frank Ramsey, Charlie Scott, and uh, Casey Jones. I'm going really small, um, which could be a bit of an issue when you have Russell and Heinsohn and the great Bailey Howell. Yeah, uh, 
a down low mic and then I guess, you know, Cowens will and Silas will have their way Big mistake with my squad as well, but I'm going to run you guys <laughs> up before, uh, Casey, Casey Jones. Isn't uh, it? I really appreciate and respect that, that pick. Um, I, so I have the, the final pick of the draft right now. I'm going with, there's right. a couple options. I'm going with Bob McAdoo and, uh, only played 20 Ooh. games for the Celtics in the late seventies, um, kind of was there right before bird showed up and it was not, it, those were not, they're not great times. Um, aver- did average 20 points a game in his, those 20 games. Um, but more interestingly with, with McAdoo, who is in the hall of fame, uh, is kind of what they, what they got for him when they traded him. Uh, so, so they move him to the totally. Pistons for a 1981st round pick, which was ended up being Ricky Brown and a 1980, another, yes, two, so two first round picks in 1980. Um, the second one was Joe Barry Carroll, who was then flipped uh, famously for Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. So um, just a uh, epic flip right there by Red Auerbach and it's why the Boston Celtics are the Boston Celtics and like obviously we give Red a lot of credit idiots here, but we're, we're, were there just so <laughs> many yes <laughs> I mean you could just say Bob McAdoo right and, and, and these guys would, would just bite because I mean I guess they needed to sell tickets right you were taking advantage of of teams that oh my god McAdoo was waived by the Pistons and <laughs> no, it's like, yeah later. and there's like there's no advanced stats uh, 1981 like there's no uh it's just like a lot of the stuff was just not known and personalities were such a big deal there were drugs going around at that time it's just it's it must have been really difficult <laughs> I'm not gonna lie sure man um, right, so who's your full team? I have Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, Bailey Howell, um, Bob McAdoo. Uh, who else do I have, guys? Can you help me out here? Heinsohn. Russell, Cousy, Heinsohn. McCauley. Yes, that's my team. Um, obviously, it's the best team. I have Bill Russell at the end. I'm sorry. I win. <laughs> yeah. Read one Bill Russell book, or two, maybe. I don't know. Uh, any names uh, that didn't make it that are on your guys' big boards here to, before you wrap things up? S- Surprise, Max didn't go. Yeah, that was a bit of a – he had some – he had like a 20 and 10 year that we're talking about here as yeah. well. I could have taken him over Casey Jones. I probably needed the, needed it. Another guy that uh, – I I guess I knew this, but I, I forgot that the old Georgetown coach, John Thompson, was Bill I Russell's backup that. for two years. Hmm. 64. No way. 64, 65. He was the, he was wow. the backup center for the Celtics, won a pair of titles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another Tom guy. Satch Sanders. Satch. Also on there. Satch, uh, the ultimate role guy. Uh, and there's J- uh, Jim Luskatov, who's Lusk- Lusky up on the on the banner. I get there's a good reason he wasn't he wasn't drafted. His numbers weren't that great. He was just yeah. a product of being you know on that really the great, great team. The, the great Sydney Wicks. Shout out to Lusky. Didn't, for, didn't for, have for, him taken. I, I did not. Kermit Washington no. on your list? Um, did you know Kermit Washington Stint? is in prison right now? 
Yeah. I, I saw yeah. that the other day. Uh, I learned that research. Don't, don't want to get, get too dark, but uh, I did not know that because everything you... Yes, I, I, yeah, some kind of tax, the tax situation. Issues? situation. Was in there? Not great. I think uh, it was through a, cha- a through, through a charity, I, I think it was. Would have yeah, been a lot. A little bit yeah. less. Uh, no, it would have been a lot cooler if he was like. But not I was reading in jail, Sorry, go ahead. and then hmm. there could have been like a Rudy Tomjanovich, Kermit Washington thing with him going to the Hall of Fame. But I guess that's out of the question. Yeah, no, I saw he was alive. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe we can try and track down uh, Kermit. I'm like, oh, he's in jail. Well, maybe it was something like you could understand, but no, ripping off people with his charity. Um, another guy is Larry Siegfried. He's a, he, he goes he goes way back. He played uh, um, he played a little bit in the ABL, the Cleveland Pipers, <laughs> but uh, but he won a bunch of bunch of championships with the, with the Celtics uh, from '63 to to '70. He played with Boston. Uh, he was uh, a former college teammate of John Havlicek, who uh, who was a high school coach, and then Havlicek said, "Hey, Red, you got to give this guy a tryout," and uh, and Siegfried made the team. And played for a little bit. Um, another guy I want to mention was no. Gene Connolly. You guys familiar with Gene Connolly? Can't say him. No. He is. Uh, he he wasn't very good, but he was one of only two guys to win a title in two major sports. He won a title with the Celtics and also won a title with the Milwaukee Braves. But he played with the Red Sox and the and the Celtics at the same time. And uh, famously, in 1962. Have you ever heard the story about Pumpsy Green of the Boston Red Sox in 1962? So the the, the Red Sox are on a are, are in New York City. I think they just played the Yankees and they're taking the bus to to the airport, or maybe they're taking a the bus back to Boston. I'm not sure. They're in traffic, and uh, and uh, Gene Connolly and Pumpsy Green get a little antsy, and they just jump off the bus in the middle of, of traffic, and they disappeared <laughs> for a couple of days. They just went on a bender. <laughs> And I guess at some point during that, Gene Connolly tried to board a flight to Israel. Like he was, oh, wow. I think he was so fucked up. I don't think, I think they were just drinking. But uh, Gene Connolly passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. But he's, uh, he's a legend in Boston sports. I mean, talk about what stories that, how that would have gone over these days. <laughs> but yeah, him and put Gene Connolly and Pumpsey Green jumped off the bus in the middle of a, and with of a road that, trip. And with uh, that, we cap an exercise that was uh, a we lot disappear. of fun. I, I don't know about you guys, I had a ton of fun doing this. Um, we got to figure out something else in the episodes to come uh, that can hold us our attention, hold our, our wonderful listeners' attention, um, and we will try to cook something up. But this was this was a blast. If you have ideas, listeners, at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter, or um, get us on Twitter at Rich underscore Levine at Michael V Pina at Brian T Rob. Uh, let us know if you like this. Let us know if you have an idea of, like Mike said, something you'd want to hear for us to do. We have some things in the hopper ourselves, but uh, we do always appreciate the feedback in the meantime. Um, I think that's it boys. Good drafting with you guys. Good draft. Who I I'm sorry. My teams are all going to beat you, but good draft. <laughs>